the things that lead to success, I believe, are more about your thoughts and more about, because actually you can have the best morning routine and do all of those things and tick all of those boxes like a robot. But if you're actually not feeling good within yourself and, and your thoughts are pretty, pretty rank thoughts about yourself and, and others and, and the day that you might have, no amount of movement or meditation or anything is going to help that. Hello and welcome to the Mind to Lead podcast. I'm Georgie Hubbard and I am on a mission to help you live a level 10 life. If you want to live an extraordinary life, a life full of passion and energy, of joy and abundance, then this is the podcast that teaches you how to do just that. Through my conversations with some extraordinary leaders and my own life experiences, I come to you weekly with all of the teachings and steps you need to take your life to the next level. So if you are ready to develop the mindset it takes to lead, then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind to Lead podcast. And uh, today I am very honored and excited because I'm sat down with an amazing entrepreneur and business owner, Jane Martino. Jane, amazing to have you here. Oh, thanks, Georgie. Great to be here. I'm really excited to, to speak to you today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. And look, for those of the, my audience who don't know who you are, uh, could you just give a very sort of brief introduction uh, into who is Jane and uh, yeah, definitely about your, your business that uh, is absolutely booming at the moment? Yeah, so well, I'll keep it brief. Um, <laughs> there's, it's been a long and winding road to get here. Uh, but look, I started out in marketing and communications and that was kind of where my training ground, I guess. Uh, and after working for a couple of different sort of people, they're entrepreneurs themselves actually in fashion and beauty and property. Uh, I started out my own agency in my mid twenties uh, and then built that up and sold that after about nine years uh, to the Bastion group of companies and then took some time off. I'd had three children in three years during that time. And so I was really keen to get more involved with them and with the community. Uh, they were at primary school and kindergarten at that time. And so that's really what led me to Smiling Mind, um, which is the organization that you referred to in the intro. Uh, so I co-founded that uh, just over eight years ago with James Tutton, who was the founder of Moonlight Cinema. Uh, him and I, he'd been a client of my agency and we became really good friends. So after I'd had some time off when I sold my agency, he asked me what I was up to and I'd been thinking about um, doing something around the wellbeing space, uh, in particular for young kids, because I was seeing, spending more time, you know, in that kindergarten and primary school environment, I could see a lot of anxiety, uh, even over the smallest things for our young people. So it's definitely a problem I wanted to solve and both James and I, had been really passionate meditators ourselves, uh, and but had only come to it much later in life. So I guess the vision was, wouldn't it be great if we could have had that tool and such a proactive, preemptive mental health tool from a very young age and almost had it embedded into our everyday, certainly our everyday day of learning, but hopefully our everyday moving forward. And 
sort of see the fitness of our mind, much like we all see the fitness of our bodies, which I think we take, uh, unfortunately, a little bit more seriously than the fitness of our mind sometimes. Uh, so that's really where the kernel of the idea from from Smiling Mind started. So I wasn't working at the time. So I, I sort of set that up and was, I guess, the CEO or um, person that got things done for the first year. And then we got enough funding to put a team in place. And I stepped back and James and I play more of a strategic sort of director role now. And I actually chair that organization. That then got me into technology. Uh, so I raised capital and, and built my own tech um, startup which I did for just over three years before it was acquired by ANZ Bank. Uh, and then spent some time as part of that transaction uh, in the bank, just embedding my startup into the payment systems and infrastructure in the bank there. And then during that time, really invested and advised a number of different other tech startups and founders that I really believed in. Uh, and that's, yeah, where my journeys continued, I guess. So looking uh, back in the last so probably three years or so I've been really either as a founder uh, investor or advisor across that sort of startup or tech venture space um, either in operationally or just more from a governance and, and board uh, and strategic level so yeah absolutely love supporting startups and and young people doing great things hopefully imparting some of my wisdom or more likely just helping them avoid some of the mistakes I made. Yeah. Wow. What, what a CV that would be. Hey, I mean, that's just incredible. So, so, so much stuff there. And look, I, I think that what you are doing and the product, the Smiling Mind app right now is, is such a crucial um, piece of technology that, and it's definitely meditation is becoming more mainstream, which is amazing to see because like you, I've, I've meditated now for the last almost five years, it changed my life. Um, and I do think that people are starting to actually not see this as like this woo-woo concept anymore. It's actually, it can really, really help and really reduce mental health. Um, but one thing I wanted to touch upon, because I, I read this earlier when I was sort of on your LinkedIn profile, and is it true that one in seven Australian children suffer with mental illness? Is that that just seems insane. Yeah, that's the latest statistics. So it's they're different statistics across different age groups, but spanning primary age children, mm. it is one in seven. Uh, spanning teenage adolescent, so what you call sort of senior school or high school students, it's one in four, wow. which is actually higher than the national average of what we call adult, which is one in five. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think you know, primarily uh, Smiling Minds are not-for-profit. It exists to, you know, help minds thrive and that's our vision. But in particular, our, our real goal is to help young minds because, uh, as I said, it's, it's really, you know, we do a lot with the education system. I think there's about 170,000 educators that use our program in their classrooms wow. every day. Um, the federal government has just given us um, and state government has, we've got some additional funding also to look at uh, what we can do around homeschooling. Cause obviously there's extra pressure, both the educators um, and young people are under and also specifically um, they've awarded some funding to healthcare workers and programming specific to them as well. Obviously they're on the front line and under, you know, 
the types of stress we could never imagine, uh, as well as obviously, you know, putting themselves at risk, which mm -hmm. is just, you know, something we're all so grateful for. So I think having specific program for them is is fantastic. So yeah, I mean we we actually the program spans age groups ELC, so really age three, uh, right up to adult, and then goes into specific streams as well in terms of types of programming. So it could be for sleep, stress, for small business uh, owners and or employees and teams, um, into you know classrooms and uh, and, and, you know, environments like that. So we really have, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of content there that's tailored for people to just really pick out what they need help with. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely incredible. And look, I wish when I was at school that there was a product like this because, and, and I do think that especially now with like the rise of social media, you know, there, there is, I just feel there's a lot more pressure on younger people right now. And I, I'd love to know, like, is there, in sort of like the stats and the research and what you're seeing from people going through your programs, what sort of results are these children getting? Are you, are you seeing an improvement? I, I'm sure you are, but has there been any sort of real changes that you've, that you've been noticing? Yeah, I mean, we do a lot of um, pre and post surveys for all of our users. So we have over 600,000 monthly active users, wow. um, which is a huge number, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for Australia anyway, yeah. less so for the bigger countries. But um, And so we are starting to get, we've now got a new head of research uh, and we're starting to really refine those pieces of data and we'll actually be releasing um, a regular monthly health report um, or, or bi-monthly uh, health report, which will be really interesting in that and we'll actually formally, you know, release that type of data. But we have done uh, our own random control trials to actually look at the efficacy of our specific program. Mm -hmm. uh, we did that a number of years ago, actually. And yeah, for sure, it's definitely... Um, we have proven that we increase levels of productivity and ability to focus because mindfulness and meditation is actually a form of attention training. So first and foremost, um, it actually helps you be more in the present moment. And so from an educational point of view, it sets you up to be more productive and be, uh, I guess, really alert and more attentive within a learning environment. That's why educators really love it. That's why workplaces love it. Mm -hmm. um, and we certainly have similar data across our workplace program also. But in saying that, it also has, uh, the data shows that it has improved sleep, particularly mm -hmm. of adolescents, mm -hmm. uh, and also the data, particularly in, in the corporate um, sector that we've done because um, we do we we feed back to our workplace clients a lot of data specific to their you know employee workforce mm. uh, but pretty much across the board the reduction in in stress through you know regular usage of the program is really significant mm. so I think uh, it's not and there's research outside of our program mm. as well. Um, we're just doing that to make sure that we're hitting the mark in terms of mm. the content that we have our psychologists and specialists putting together. Um, but, you know, there's research from all across the world uh, mm. and a lot of the institutions that we're starting to collaborate with too and, and mm. work with on this to, to prove, 
you know, the efficacy of, of meditation and embedding mm. that into your, your daily routine. Yeah, absolutely. And I was reading that there's been a 67% surge in downloads since the start of COVID, which is just so good to see. And I think more and more people are going to start taking their mental well-being more seriously. So when when did you discover the the power of meditation? Like, how did you just sort of like, was there something that happened in your life that drove you to start? Because I know for me, it was, I was extremely anxious in my early twenties and a lot of pressure. And I turned to meditation as a bit more of a, just a way to calm my mind. And I'd love to hear your journey of like, you know, how you became so passionate about meditation and how it changed, how it changed your life. Yeah. I think probably mine's a little bit different because a lot of people, there'll be an event or, you know, it will be recommended to them more so now, less so when I started, but, um, you know, as a way to manage anxiety or assist, uh, yeah, in, in them feel it coping, mm-hmm. basically. And I think it's very, very effective for that. But for me, uh, it was actually, I, you know, I'm very grateful I've never suffered anxiety. I was just in the bucket of people that felt like it wasn't for me. So I am really into alternative medicine. I've I'm very, I'm very spiritual. I've always been very open to things like that. So a lot of my friends and colleagues would say, oh, you should try meditation. You'd love it. And I actually resisted it for years. Um, you know, I'd studied Reiki and done all kinds of other things that people would think are way more woo-woo than meditation. But my mindset was, I'm, my mind is so busy. I'm busy. I, that won't suit me. I don't, you know, I don't want to sit still. And I guess it was just sort of peeling back that ego and, and realizing that that's actually exactly why I need it. And that was actually the pursuit of the mind being clear or having some level of enlightenment through meditation, uh, which certainly is possible, but, but that being the driver or the purpose was the whole you know challenge for me. You don't need to have that. Like it's actually, and like I said to you at the start of this, Um, time together my vision is for people to see it just like they do going for a run or going to the gym or you know and and once I started to I did a course and I I relented I think I was just so tired from having three kids in three years to be honest I I sort of was trying anything and everything to feel more rested but um and I did I realized that you know yes my meditations were quite noisy and some days they still really are but that's okay um, and I definitely saw the the benefits of it very quickly much like yourself um, you know and research shows that only 10 minutes 10 days in a row and you will start feeling the effect uh, so you know for me it was very much um, and I speak to people about this all the time you don't have to reach Nirvana or have it become another thing to be competitive about or hard on yourself about, you actually just have to give it a try. You actually just have to realise that even sitting there for five or ten minutes, being still and constantly bringing your mind back to the present moment or, or the guided meditation or whatever you're listening to or, or, or doing um, is helpful in itself. And that is all, you know. Um, so just sort of peeling it back. So Smiling Mind, I think, James and I were super passionate about also just normalizing it. So Mm -hmm. taking the woo-woo out, realizing that anything you can do is beneficial 
and to just keep going. And like with the exercise, if you hit the alarm button one day and you don't get out of bed, that's fine. Just like get up the next day and, and go for that run. Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of people say to me, oh, I can't possibly meditate. My mind's far too busy. I'm like, well, that's the reason to meditate because it's not about, you know, trying to stop the thoughts. It's just being more aware of the thoughts. And I think that's that's where, for me, I identified my patterns and my limitations and the the worries that were sort of coming up through the meditation practice. But you, you sound like absolute superwoman. You've got three kids, you run a successful business, you are, uh, you know, helping other startups. Where do you make time for Jane? What does a uh, Jane self-care practice look like? Do you, do you have one? Like, what does your sort of routine look like? Yeah. So I, I definitely have one. Um, like everyone, I've gone through different periods, but pretty consistently for the last at least four years, I've had quite a rigid one. Um, and that's really because, as you say, there's a lot happening and my boys are teenagers now. Um, and so even though they're a lot more independent, there's actually a lot more on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I've always loved getting up early. Like I remember mum and dad plonking me in front of Thunderbirds or some terrible show <laughs> that used to be on at that time um, at 5am. So I've always been an early riser. So I'm just... Um, I, I get up that time or around that time every morning and I make sure I have a routine. It's flexible. So however it kind of pans out is fine, but it'll be some form of physical exercise, um, sometimes rigorous like an, an F45 or something on. Um, and then I'll have some meditation time. Um, I'm doing a gratitude journal at the moment. I don't always do that, but I'm I'm doing that. So three things I'm grateful for. What are my words for today? Sort of sort of fo- some focus time that takes literally a couple of minutes, um, and then I'll yeah potentially grab a coffee, read the paper, or walk my dogs and listen to a podcast. So it's kind of a similar format format to Robin Sharma's five AM Club. I'm not sure whether you've heard of him, but yeah, the the we've got the the three 20 minute blocks, um, which is, I don't, I don't, that's a bit too rigid for me. I like variety. So I mix mine up a bit, but the philosophy of getting up early, getting the jump on the day and having that time for me without work, without emails, without, you know, demands across other aspects of my life, I think is super important yeah I completely agree and I have also read Robin Sharma loved his book and I also read another amazing book by Hal Elrod called Miracle Morning uh, which was also really good and talks all about having a routine and setting yourself up in the morning for success but I'd love to know how important do you think having a routine is and do you think that contributed to your success No, I don't think so because that's where you get into that trap of putting pressure on yourself. So that's the other thing. Like this morning, um, you know, this morning I didn't exercise. I, you know, and I did my meditation, I did my journal and, and that was enough. I might do exercise later in the day, but it just didn't work out that way and that's okay. So the routine, you also don't want the routine to be, oh my gosh, I haven't done my routine. Like the, because then it's kind of counterproductive, right? It's uh, so for me, the things that lead to success, I believe, are more about your thoughts and more about, because actually you can have the best morning routine and do all of those things and tick all of those boxes like a robot. 
But if you're actually not feeling good within yourself and, and your thoughts are pretty, pretty rank thoughts about yourself and, and others and, and the day that you might have, no amount of movement or meditation or anything is going to help that. So there's kind of that, for me, there's that missing piece. Um, and I think to me, success is doing what you enjoy and having a really big fulfilling life in your eyes, no one else's. So that's the first thing. Like a lot of people uh, might think that I have a successful life. I don't really care as long as I think that. There's a lot of people who think I don't have a successful life. That's okay too, because what we all feel is success is different for each of us. So for me, it's more about setting, you know, um, up. What do I want to do? What's really important to me? If my life is a pie graph, what am I filling it with? Um, and actually first determining like what success actually looks like. It's exactly like running a business. Like you wouldn't, you know, launch a business without a business plan. And it's the same with us. Like, what does success look like? For me, success is also following my curiosity. So I know what my big goals are and I know what's important to me, but I like having a bit of a winding journey and a winding road that is always different and always changing. That's success to me. That would give other people palpitations every day, you know, like, so it's, you know, and, and that's, so getting that right and having, having that pathway and adding that on top of your morning routine and letting that sort of set your tone for your life and your day and, um, you know, I think like Louise Hay, I don't know whether you're familiar with Louise Hay, but yeah, I mean, I think that type of, of theory is the most powerful thing you can do to be successful within yourself. And, and if you are successful within yourself, whatever else you do in your external world, you will enjoy. Wow. I just think that is so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. And yeah, Louisa Hay, I absolutely love her work. I recently read her book, uh, You Can Heal Your Life, which was absolutely incredible. But I'd love to pick your brain now on the whole law of attraction, manifestation. You know, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think we can manifest success into existence through our thoughts alone? Yeah, I think I am a huge believer in in what you, probably a simpler version, which is what you put out into the world, you will receive back. Um, and, and so it doesn't necessarily, though, have to be about your wishes. Um, and sometimes when, I love Gabby Bernstein, who focuses a lot on this as well, and she calls it like manic manifesting, you know, where people are like, well, I want, I'm manifesting, I'm sitting on my, my cushion and I'm manifesting and I want this, this and this by three months and six months and then it doesn't happen and you sort of lose. So it's more about thinking and being accepting of your path and your journey and when things change, that that is actually part of what you've manifested um, good, bad, or otherwise at the time, often when you look back, you can very much see that it was a wonderful turn in your life or your career that's actually added great depth and evolution to it. So I definitely believe in, in um, we are the drivers of 
our lives um, and can create the most unbelievable opportunities for ourselves. Um, but it's as long as we also accept that manifestation isn't just about everything working out just as we want it to. Um, and that actually it's quite the opposite. And that's what's so powerful about it because out of those things come our most amazing opportunities. So I think that's it. As long as you don't fall into that trap, which I certainly have in the past, um, it's, it's a lot easier. Yeah, and I think that's a really powerful message now more than ever with all of the uncertainty and, and things going on in the world. But, you know, I guess you mentioned at the start talking about failure and lessons learned. And obviously right now people are innovating, they're pivoting. What sort of advice are you giving to the the startups that you're coaching and mentoring at the moment? Are they going through a change? Are they pivoting at this time? Um, yeah, what kind of things are you seeing in, in businesses and in startup land? Yeah, I mean, none of the ones that I'm advising at the moment ha- are going through that sort of need to pivot. They certainly, my advice to them early on um, was, you know, even sort of as, as the wave started to come is make sure you're capitalised, you know, make sure you have runway because that's the killer of most startups is just running out of runway and they're not being either in a position to raise further capital or have, you know, investors that are interested and you just don't have the, the runway to keep going. So that was really, that's the main sort of piece of advice, um, which they've both taken and successfully sort of gone back to their investor set and extended that runway so that basically out until end of 2021, because everything is so unknown. So I think it's about probably preempting, okay, there's a lot we don't know in the next 12 month plus horizon. Uh, what can we do to protect ourselves and the business really when there's so much that we, you know, startups are unpredictable at the best of times, let alone at a time like this. So um, yeah, that, that's probably been the number one. I think pivots are important, but also dangerous. I think, you know, you certainly should pivot if it's logical and if it makes sense for the business and, and potentially it would have been a smart pivot anyway. But just doing that for the sake of um, trying to survive this period can be dangerous because it can actually take your business on a completely different trajectory, which might not actually be strategically the right, the right move longer term. So it's just weighing all those things up. Um, but yeah, and, and, and really it's very industry specific at the moment too. There's a lot of industries that are much tougher than others. And a lot like Smiling Mind and our industry that are actually, you know, actually flourishing. I mean, we're a not-for-profit, so um, we we have a lot of commercial aspects uh, to the organisation that bring in revenue. So we're not reliant on donations and grants from government, but um, certainly, you know, we're seeing both sides of, of the commercial part of our organisation, you know, doing well as opposed to, a lot of other businesses at the moment. Yeah, which is just so amazing to hear. And when we started the conversation, you mentioned that you know in the early days you made a few mistakes and some failures, which is why you love coaching new business owners now. And I love to sort of pick your brain on like the you know the common mistakes that you see and perhaps the mistakes that you made when you started Smiling Mind and 
and yeah what you sort of learned so far on on your journey yeah I mean I think gosh there's honestly how long do we have I mean there's just so many um but I think there's a couple of probably key themes is how I would how I would describe it to you if we're going to synthesize a whole heap of mistakes um and I think the main one would be people so so leadership and people I think if I look back uh I've I believe I've always been you know quite a strong leader but I definitely have evolved as a leader and I think when you have more of an entrepreneurial sort of founder mentality, you can tend to be a very, a very challenging leader and, and be uh, more autocratic and, and quite controlling as opposed to kind of sitting alongside and, and playing the coach role. Uh, so I think that's something to look out for and can be a huge blind spot, I believe, and I see it all the time. But it's one of the beautiful things about founders, though, and why they're so successful, because they're really dogged. Their attention to detail and the demand that they have to present something just phenomenal to market is second to none. And it's, they're all the things, that's why we invest in their businesses. That's why we, you know, that's why I love working with the founders. So like they say, our biggest strength is our biggest weakness. But if you can early on really tame that (coughs) in terms of your people and your team, it will be a huge advantage huge advantage because you'll keep really good people and you'll grow them and and you'll build a fantastic culture uh, which will build you a big successful business the second thing the second component of people are not just the people that work for and with you but the people you choose to put around the business so whether that's investors or advisors or board members and actually looking beyond their previous experience looking beyond their cv and actually looking at them from more of a human perspective you know so when the shit hits the fan what will happen to my relationship with this person will they be out the door so quickly or will they be happy to stand by me because at the moment things are going really well so there's a lot of people who might want to stand by me but what about when things go wrong what about when we're challenged what about when i'm feeling x y and z So really doing your due diligence on the types of characters and humans that you put around yourself, how they complement you and the skills you don't have. And also, yeah, like the the importance of that, that really truly connected and valuable friendship and camaraderie uh, that should exist with people that are lucky enough to, you know, be by your side for that journey. I think um, so they're key things. And then, the other things, I guess, outside of people, uh, I, I would say are the ability to be strategic and, and not get so obsessed in the day-to-day and the little tiny details that aren't going to move the needle. You know, asking yourself, is this the difference between someone buying my product or using my product and not? Or is this the difference between a customer, you know, if you're a B2B, a customer coming on board and, and working with us or not and really being hard on yourself constantly so you're not wasting time and you're really focused on on the big um, needle movers, I guess, uh, and making sure you're sort of planning and, and knowing your numbers really inside out, really understanding your business, 
so there's no surprises, uh, I think is, is super powerful. And I'm always really impressed um, with founders that, that are on top of their reporting and their numbers. Uh, and I'll only invest in, in the guys that do. But for me, like investment is also about just great people, great humans, smart people that I can help, people that I think are going to build a big business uh, and they're, they're just not going to give up. So, yeah, I, I think I've probably, if you look at it from a building a team and a leadership point of view, they're the same traits that I would like for people that work with me and uh, they're probably things that I didn't rank highly to begin with and made a lot of mistakes in terms of hiring, made a lot of mistakes in terms of, you know, things I did or didn't do. So, yeah, people first always. Yeah, I completely agree. And I love to know, you know, what are some of the traits that you look for in people, you know, when you come to hire and what is your approach? So I, the one thing I used to do, I'm a really intuitive person and do think I've, I'm good at reading people. So I, I used to kind of go with that and I'd say, no, my gut says this, this and this. So I'd had, I used to have a fairly loose, uh, way of hiring you know through referral i'd have an interview i'd and i've really changed that probably in the last 10 years certainly five to be super rigorous so what i would say to people is um make sure if you love your business it's like you're having a relationship with this person so make them jump through hoops make sure they want to work with you and you really want to work with them. Like that's, that's good for them and it's good for you. Uh, so, you know, yes, initial interview, making sure they also meet and interact with other people on the team, making sure they actually be part of solving a problem or some kind of activity within the business. So you can really test how do they think, how do they interact with others? You know, what are they good at? What are some of their weaknesses that are coming up? So set them a task and or bring them in and actually get them working, you know, even for an hour or so with the team. Um, definitely I do disc profiling or some kind of profiling so you can see what they're like. Uh, and also you'll have hopefully a profile of everyone else on your team. So how will they fit in? Who would they work well with? Who would they not work well with? And then also do your due diligence uh, in terms of other people who have worked with them, not necessarily references. So not the formal referees, but, you know, what do the people say that have been maybe the most junior people they've worked with? How do, how were they treated? How did they feel around them? You know, all of those types of things, I think are, are really, really important. So yeah, it's, it's a far more rigorous process and I'd really encourage people to to do that because it's fun as well. I think you, you also then build a bit of a bond with the person during the process, which is important. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's really refreshing hearing you say that. I mean, I run a recruitment company and I always say, you know, people are so important to your business and the growth. You can't grow without the right people in the right positions. But I love to talk with you now about, you know, obviously we're living mm. through very 
challenging times. There's a lot of people who are stuck at home. Before we jumped on this call, you obviously were, um, you know, uh, homeschooling your children. And there's there's lots of uncertainty. And we've really been thrown into this pandemic. And there's some people who are thriving. There's some people who are really struggling right now. But let's speak to those who are really find this challenging. You know, do you have any advice or tips that, that you're using in your own life in your own business to homeschool your children that you know are keeping you calm is keeping you focused and really really helping you during this time yeah I think it's so hard because everyone's so different and I I think situations like this for some some people are actually doing quite well in this situation they might be people that enjoy their home space a lot more um you know they're enjoying having more time as a family and then others who find that who are in smaller spaces they actually love being out and about that you know they're more extroverted so that feeding off other people's energy is really important to them so it's sort of hard to give broad advice but i think the one thing is just to work out what works for you so uh and make sure that during the day you're taking some breaks and and getting up either from your computer or the phone and and making sure you're breathing in the air <laughs> that's certainly something i uh so when i'm with the boys homeschooling i make sure they're like fed really regularly it's kind of interesting fun food uh and then that they're having bursts of sort of fresh air and and breaks during the day uh, and then at least one form of, of physical exercise. And I think it's, it's sort of the same for us. Like, you know, are there some really interesting, yummy things that you can eat or have during the day to look forward to? Because you can't really go out and eat and all that. You know, so taking some of those things that we enjoy and miss from our everyday life and kind of embedding them um, into what we're doing now. So it's a, a little bit easier to cope. And then having those breaks and bursts of, of fresh air or doing something different or chatting to a friend or whatever it is just to break the day up and also having something to look forward to I, I try and do like still Friday night drinks with girlfriends or people I've you know I've worked with and things like that so yeah there's still kind of those marks in the week and in the day um, that you can really look forward to and walking meetings are really good too uh, obviously a little bit more challenging here in Victoria now with the face masks and it's hard to sometimes hear people when you're walking but uh, yeah that's another way if you want someone who loves that more face-to-face -face contact but you can't have it you know that side-by-side -side sort of walking meeting I think can be can be good. Yeah, I think that's just such valuable advice. So thank you for sharing that. And yeah, look, I think it is time to be really focusing on the things that we can control each day, um, which leads me on to what you said at the start around gratitude. And I really want to touch upon that quickly because you know, I think it's a really, really powerful practice. So I love to hear about how you go about this. Do you you know, write down three things each day or do you sort of wake up and say your gratitude out loud? How do you go about your gratitude practice? Yeah, so I sort of float in and out of it, to be honest. I, but I'm, I am doing it at the moment. I, I just collaborated. I wrote one for a friend who's got organic crew clothing. Uh, and so I've just been actually using that. Um, and that's a really good one. So, 
Yeah, and I actually do that with my kids. So we do our three great things at the dinner table uh, every night. We have done for years and years. And even as teenagers, they suffer through that. Um, And even when their friends come over, which I think sort of slowly is becoming more mortifying as they get older. Uh, But yeah, so I think I just find different ways to do it. I, I think as well it's a really powerful thing in business. Like I often talk about this, but I've like always saying thank you to people who have helped you along the way, you know, whether that's a gesture, sending them something, writing them an email or a card out of the blue. I find when you do that more and express it more, you feel more grateful generally anyway as well. So, you know, in life, I think it always helps if it's not all about you all the time. Um, so, so that's why as well, the gratitude journal process is really powerful and it can refocus you and give you greater perspective um, on your life and, and how really privileged we are because it's ridiculous. We really are. However, um, I also think it's yet another thing that's all about you. So I, I do always say to people, Um, And one of the things actually that I put in this gratitude journal was, you know, one of the activities for the day is to have a gesture, um, like a really nice send a text out of the blue, an email or something, do something kind for someone else that might be a surprise for them. And sometimes I feel like that's even more powerful again. So that's also another thing to do if you don't want to do the gratitude journal that I find even more potent. Yeah, I completely agree. Just keep on sharing the love, keep on sharing the appreciation, the gratitude. Jane, I've absolutely loved having you on today. Thank you so much. For those that want to reach out, um, you know, where where can they find you? Where where should they go? Yeah, I think there's a link. Uh, well, obviously LinkedIn. Uh, and then there's, I think, a link on the Smiling Mind website. So that's probably the best place. Uh, and then you can check out all the content and and find the meditations that suit you as well. Yeah, and we'll put all the links in the show notes below. So make sure you go and check that out because I think now more than ever, meditation is so powerful and what you've created is such an incredible product and I know for me like I still sit down and do my meditations every single day it's it's a huge part of my routine and I, I can't imagine not meditating now it's it's you know just had so many incredible uh, benefits in my life and um, yeah just wherever you are give the give meditation a go download the smiling app there's so many incredible courses on there as well so yeah Jane thank you so much it's been amazing having you on Thanks for having me. All the best. Thank you so much for listening to the Mind to Lead podcast. I really hope you got some great takeaways and key learnings from this episode. To help us spread the message, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We love reading your thoughts and your insights and your learnings. And look, reach out to me. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Georgie Hubbard. Reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Georgie L. Hubbard. Let's connect. I hope you have an incredible day and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Thank you.